PulpMX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Howdy, everybody. Welcome in to the one and only Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by FXR Racing and REP Suspension. Thank you for downloading this episode, and thank you for subscribing to our lovely show here. We really appreciate it. We are here to talk about the 2024 Husqvarna FC 450 Rockstar Edition. We have edition time, people. It is January. It is February. It is edition time, and they are going to be coming. Ooh, that could have been a real sexual term, but I'm not going to do that. They're going to be arriving here. A lot of these things are going to be arriving here. So uh, you're going to be seeing and hearing a lot of edition talk on RacerX Online and right here on our show. So thank you for joining us. If you guys want to do some shopping, please go to Rocky Mountain ATV MC. But before you do that, just go to KieferIncTesting.com. Click on that Rocky Mountain banner. The only freaking banner on my website. It is a clean, disease-free website. Lovely website. Just one banner. Click. And then just continue to live your life, continue to do that shopping, whatever you guys need, and that gives us a snippet of what you're purchasing. Let's these guys know that we are not full of shit, that you like this show, that it's fun, and you come here every week and you enjoy it. So if you're doing your shopping, I'm not saying you got to go there, but if you are shopping Rocky Mountain, just go to my website, click on that banner, it's easy, and just continue to live your life, and that really does help us out. They are great over there. Lots of things in stock, man, and shipping is unbelievable. Just real quick, for example, I bought some stuff the other day. I bought, what did I buy? Oh, I bought some um, rim locks. I wanted a two-day air. I had some lady call me last night and say, hi, is this Chris? And I'm like, yeah, it's Chris. She's like, we didn't get your rim locks out today. I know you wanted two-day shipping. So tomorrow, we're going to send it overnight and just charge you two-day shipping. I'm like, wow. Thank you very much. That's very cool of you. So that's the kind of shit Rocky Mountain does. So very nice company over there. Do some shopping and uh, help us out. If you guys want to look sweet, Detroit is up this weekend, and the new spring line is out from FXR Racing, fxrracing.com. Use that code KKMX35. Saves you 35% off gear. Unbelievable. I have a code for an FXR ATR2 6D branded lid. KKMX6D on FXR's website. And if you're a lady, you want a better deal than the dudes, I have a code for you, but you got to hit me up, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. Prove to me that you're a woman, that you ride. Show me a picture of yourself cruising around on your bike, and uh, we love to help you ladies out there. But, man, there's some sweet new helium gear out right now, and uh, don't forget about the Revo line. Just really cool colorways. I'm sure FXR has something for everyone out there if you're mild to wild. We got it all. Uh, socks, gear, helmets, goggles, everything. So go check out fxrracing.com. And I'm just typing up a story on a KX450, kind of all the updates that I did to my bike, things that work, and REP suspension is in this article because they have completed a setting for me on the KX450, the 2024 KX450, I might add. 
And uh, it's much better than the stock soft stuff that comes on the KX. So Mark and the gang over there, they do great work. REPsuspension.com. K-K-R-E-P is the code. If you're going to get some valving done, save some money. Uh, Chelsea, Mark's wife, she answers the phone. She runs the whole show over there. Mark is grinding in the back with a bunch of his his employees, and they're just creating some great settings, and they do great work, and they stand by their work. So if you don't like your setting, they're happy to change it for free. Uh, don't forget to check them out, repsuspension.com. And thank you to all of our 2024 sponsors, Power Motorsports. Hey, you want a KTM factory dish? They getting them. They be getting them, and they'll blow them out for Kiefer Inc. prices. So go check them out, Power Motorsports. Works Connection. Kiefer20 is the code to save over at Works Connection. I just got some tie-downs, some Works Connections tie-downs. It's awesome. I needed some because Aiden stole all mine back east. Uh, don't forget Blood Lubricant, 6D Helmets. Kiefer24 is the code to save at 6D Helmets. International Vet Motocross Association. Those guys are awesome. They're back on board, and they're going to have some kick-ass races. So if you go over the age of 30 and you want to race with your buddies, International Vet Motocross Association is the old, is the old, oldtimersmx.com. Dunlop Motorsports, the new MX82 tires out. That review will be up here soon. ScreenPrintingDone.com. Decal Works, the official decals of Kiefer Inc. Testing. You want a code? Hit me up, and I'll get you in touch with Sean over at Decal Works. Alpine Stars, Tech 7, Tech 10. Best boots out there. Oakley Air Brakes, best goggle out there, of course. Come on. ETS Racing Fuels, I got a code. Kiefer Inc. If you want to get some fuel delivered to your house, I use the MX18. And, of course, Renthal. Maxima, SC1, all kinds of stuff, contact cleaner, chain lube, whatever you need, Maxima has it. Kiefer Inc. 24 is the code to save over there. And uh, those are my 2024 sponsors. So thank you, support them. Uh, They do a great job. So in this episode, I called up Kenny Day. He is the Fox, the professional motocross athlete manager at Fox Racing. He helps me out from time to time to do some tests. He's a small guy, 5'6", 150 pounds, so it's nice to have a smaller uh, opinion with some of these videos that we do and podcasts. I had to go do the Pulp MX show. I was supposed to be in two places at once. Couldn't do that. So Kellen Brower and Kenny went and handled the video side on the new Rockstar Edition. So I was like, hey, I did the KTM already. I don't need to be at the Rockstar Edition. Send Kenny. So why not call him up? So that's what we did. I called him up. We sat down for about an hour and bullshitted about uh, first Eight to ten minutes is about what he does at Fox, so if you want to blow through that, you can. But if you want to listen, there's some interesting things in there. And then we talk about the Rockstar Edition when he wrote it over at Fox Raceway. And what's nice about this is we don't always agree on certain things. He's not sitting here and go, yep, Kiefer, you're right. I'm not sitting there going, yeah, I totally agree. We have some different feelings on the frame, so that's interesting. So uh, if you guys are looking or maybe thinking about buying a new Rockstar, KTM, Gas Gas, whatever, on this new chassis... Uh, I think this podcast will be interesting and maybe help you. And if it doesn't and you still have questions, I'm here for you guys. That's why my door is open. That's why we built Kiefer Inc. is for you people out there. I'm a middle-class guy. I don't have a lot of money. Buying a new bike is expensive as shit. And sometimes you need some guidance. I'm here to help you as much as I can. And I try to spend my time to help you uh, lovely people out there. Chris at KieferIncTesting.com is the email. Uh, give me some time. Don't stress out if I don't get back to you within a day or so. I, I'm, I'm pretty busy at this time, and I uh, plan on to be for about the next month. So uh, 
try to get back to you within the morning or evening time when I'm sitting down. But uh, that's what we do over here at keyforinktesting.com. So sit back, relax, enjoy the next hour or so with Kenneth and I. And uh, we hope to see you back here next week. And uh, going back east for another week or so. Uh, so we'll be returning with some new, chunky, beefy information and some lovely insights on motorcycles that we're going to be riding back east. So stay tuned for that. And here we go. 2024.5 FC 450 Rockstar Dish. All right, guys, we got Kenny Day here. So uh, just a little backstory. I was out. I had to go to Pulp Show. Uh, so I enlisted my buddy, Kenny Day. And, of course, Kellen Brower. He is on the Racer X side. So... Kenny does a really good job for me. He's been around uh, Kiefer Inc. for quite a bit, and I think he gives good feedback. He's pretty thorough. Uh, he still rides a lot. He rides at a good level, and I think he can give you an opinion on uh, on what he feels and on the smaller side of things because Kenny's a little pocket size. He's not full-size uh, human being over here like a six-foot guy like I'm talking about. So, Kenny, thank you for doing that. How are you doing? What's going on? Uh, I'm doing good. All, uh, five foot six of me, pocket size, as you call it. Uh, <laughs> how, how much right. do you weigh? Um, I'm probably, I think I'm, I'm I have some, uh, winter weight for sure. Okay. So I'm going to say 157. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. I feel so. like that's a nice weight. That's a different weight from the normal 450 guy, right? So like some of these guys that email me are saying, Hey, I'm, I'm 155 pounds. Um, I'm a vet B guy. And so, uh, obviously you're a vet a rider. You're, you're a good rider. Um, but first things first, what's your job title at Fox? What do you do? Give us some details on that because you know, we all, we don't stick to the script over here. We want to want to go off the script a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I've worked at Fox for three years now. Um, my title has been the same the whole time, uh, which is pro athlete manager. So basically I control everything to do with the pro athletes at Fox racing on the motocross side. Okay. Uh, that's start to finish, whether <clears> that starts with creating a gear plan, working with everyone internally at Fox, you know, like our marketing side, it, everything that you need to do to make sure everyone's aligned to what is going to go out to the public. And then, uh, work with the factories to order it. And then once it shows up, I take it to the races and then it's a whole nother process, right? You know, building goggles on the weekends, showing up with all the gear, full service for the athletes. Uh, it's it's a lot um, combined I, with the traveling and ugh. flying and yeah. So I'm out on that. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. How many riders do you guys have? So currently right now we have, uh, if everyone is racing, say outdoors, we have a good amount. But because it's an east-west type thing, we're normally between like six and seven every weekend. Okay. And that's a lot of dudes to take care of in one day. I'm sure. It is. I, I thankfully have, I have really good help between our amateur guy, Matt Mora. And then we have a, a new guy, Alex, and he comes to the races with me. So man, that makes it such a massive difference trying to service everyone by yourself on the weekend and drive and all that stuff is it's, it's a heavy load. So we make it work though. Um, give us your background on riding and racing. So how long have you been riding? Uh, where are you coming from? Give us some background on that. So wow. here, here's the deal, Kenny. When I try to buy something myself, I try to relate uh, to that person a little bit. So 
these people listening, they want to relate to you. So where are you coming from? What you're about? Yeah. All right. So I'm from Maryland. Okay. Uh, I think I was 19, 20 years old when I really started to move out and away. But I grew up down the street from Bud's Creek, Maryland. Uh, so Bud's Creek Motocross Park is my backyard. And um, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. So I started racing, riding essentially when I was five, six years old. And then I raced kind of off and on. I wasn't like the full-time racer. I just, you know, did it on the weekends with my family. And uh, when I got a little bit older, I'd say 13, 14, then I really started to get into racing like every weekend. Um, yeah, I raced enough to, to hold a, a professional license uh, and attempted those things. But truthfully, I was kind of just working a regular job and not putting 100% into the, that effort. So my results were pretty shit. I never actually qualified for a national. I always missed it by a half of a second or so. Ah. Um, what years yeah, was that? Which is what, a bummer. what years was that? Uh, first time that I actually tried to qualify was 2009. I'd say that's like the most effort I ever put in. I did five nationals and I showed up and tried to race two supercrosses with no supercross background whatsoever. Mm. Um, you know, just really winging it for sure. So yeah, those, those are the years I tried. And then I dabbled just every once in a blue moon, I'd come off the couch like 2013. I tried to show up and qualify at, uh, at high point. And yeah, I mean, it, it just was kind of stupid looking back on it, but at the time you're like, Oh, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm going right. to go give it a shot. So yeah. yeah, we have those days at the track, right? You're like, dude, I think I could still ride. And then that turns yeah. into, Oh, I'm going to go sign up for a race. And then that turns yeah, into going I, to the race and then getting your ass kicked. And you're like, okay, I need to <laughs> chill out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You have those, you have those days of first lap where you're laying upside down on your back. Like, why the hell am I out here? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. I understand that. Uh, but you did win a Loretta's title when you, after 30 years old. So that was cool. I did. I did. I, I do believe that I've gotten better with my age. Yep. Maybe it's just maturity and, and, I, I will give a lot of credit to my job being able to watch the top level guys all week all on the weekends, you know, going to like their personal tracks. And I like, I've learned a lot from, from Ken Roxon. I've learned a lot from watching Chase Sexton, you know, you go down the, the, the line, but you just see these things that they're doing uh, during the week. And it's actually a lot easier to translate it once I understood it more. So right. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy think, to think uh, about like when, when you were racing, even when I was racing, I didn't have anything to study, right? Like what you had yeah. was uh, you could go to some uh, motocross schools, which there were a few, um, and they weren't teaching the stuff they're teaching now. Uh, we didn't have yeah. YouTube or anything to kind of study or watch. You basically had to record a, a Supercross and watch that. And and even then, it kind of evolved from there when MC was riding and all these things and that whole um, – style of riding you know got adopted but now man there's so much content there's so much stuff out there to digest and watch and learn like i think about guys like my my kid and they just get to learn yeah. from watching this kind of remind me of what you said like you're watching these guys and you're picking it up yeah i actually i see a lot of it now whether it's instagram or youtube it's almost i almost get a little concerned now for the new generation just because there is so much to watch Right. And you're there's so many what people would call themselves as teachers nowadays that it gets a little concerning, you know, and I watch I watch a lot of um, 
like I still watch old stuff, Gary, Gary Bailey, yep. Simix, those yep. things. Cause I actually attended those classes when I was, was a kid. And oddly enough, man, a lot of those things that Bailey taught me when I was six, seven years old, that still will stand. But now you go to, man, I'll just use AJ Catanzaro as an example. And I'll listen to some of his stuff. And most of the time I, I understand what he's trying to say, but man, there's times where he's trying to teach a new rider how to ride like jet lawrence you yeah, know how did yeah. how how to hop skip jump around the track and man that's a big disconnect those are a little worrisome but when you have someone like your son i, I think anyone that watches and follows your son can watch what he posts and see what he's doing and immediately pick up like oh i'm supposed to instead of charging into this i could just wheelie over that or jump this or jump that so I, I agree. Getting back to what we were saying, like you, these kids nowadays have all yeah. of the tools to be really good. Yeah. And that's what we see. We see a lot of people that are good. Now you go to amateur races and a ton of kids that are great. And when I was racing, there might've been three. Now there's 10 yeah. to 15 on the gate that are really good. And you go to a 40 man gate. So yeah, it, it has evolved over the years and it's, it's crazy to think about. So, um, but you still enjoy riding. That's one of the reasons why I like Kenny. Like Kenny still loves to go riding. He, uh, he works in the industry. And for those of you guys listening out there, oh, I want to be in the industry, which is awesome. It is a great industry to work in, but you know, you do get consumed by it. And what happens is some of that love usually goes to the wayside, uh, for riding because you're around it all the time and you're getting overworked. Cause that's just the name of the game these days is you have a lot to do and the same amount of money. That's just how it is. So, for you to still be able to drive up in the des at times and go riding, I, I really respect that and I like it. And that's one of the reasons why like I feel like, you know, you you're you're good at what you do. Yeah, I appreciate that. I um for sure there's times where you're I wouldn't say the you lose the love for, for riding. I think it's just it, to do what I do. <laughs> yeah. To do what I do is very overwhelming. And obviously there's a balance, right, between work and ride. And it's dangerous, as we know. So you, you kind of have to find a balance of when to ride, when not to ride. And there's days that I might not feel like I wake up like, oh, I want to go ride. And I don't feel it. I just trust my gut on those days. Yep. Um, but, man, for me, it's a, I think it's a bit different for me. I truly love to get the opportunities to go ride just because it works so much better for me when I'm riding constantly. I'm, I'm better with, you know, my product that I'm working on at Fox. And then also when I show up, you know, I'll give you a prime example. I, I rode this, this bike we're about to talk about today, yep. the, the 2024 rockstar distant Husky. I rode it. I rode, I posted about it on my social media and then I get phone calls from athletes. I won't bring up their name, but like professional guys call me and they're like, all right, what'd you think of this thing? So yep. me being able to ride, on the during the week and then still go to the races it's just a better balance and it works out because when i show up like i have i think i have a little bit more respect for what i do so that's my favorite part yeah absolutely i think uh nothing else you know when a guy rides especially at a good level yeah you get respected more because you're still currently doing it not some of these guys out there that rode and raced in the 80s and they're still trying to influence some things now i think that's kind of they're out of touch a little bit because they don't even ride anymore yeah, I, I totally agree. I I, uh, I think it's really easy to sit back and try to like break things down. You see a lot of people doing that nowadays 
with podcasts and weekly podcasts of what they think, but right. man, until you really get to feel it out yourself and understand what's happening, I guess. That's a that's a hard thing to talk about. Yes, sir. All right, so let's talk about this thing. So I have the 2024.5 KTM 450 Factory Edition back east. I've been in Georgia. Aiden is back there, so I wanted to do some stuff back east with it because simply there's not enough testing back east. So uh, I was gone. Kenny wrote it at Fox Raceway 24.5 Husqvarna Rockstar Edition. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny, but when you're there, there unlike years past, the differences of each bike are minimal now. There's not a huge difference, correct? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah. I would totally agree that the last time I rode a recent KTM to what I rode the other day with the Husqvarna, very, very similar. Uh, so, uh, swing arms are, are the same now. Would they used to be different a little bit? I know Airbox is still a little bit different from Husqvarna KTM brand. Um, but like I said, very similar. So, um, you got there, you, Obviously, just talk about the looks. Do you think it's, I think it's one of the best looking bikes out there. I agree with you. The thing's sweet. You know, it's, it's not often you get to see like the white, white frame, white bike. And then it's cool from a gear perspective because you can kind of wear anything with it. Um, but overall, like, I think it's just awesome that you can go to Anaheim one, watch the guys on the track and then literally buy the same thing. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, I think I like I like white myself, and it looks pretty sexy to me. So, uh, hard part is keeping it clean. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the CUO. That's what they're calling it. Yes. Yes, that is the connectivity unit off road. Uh, which uh, good. So this was in effect a few years ago, and I said this on the podcast I did with the KTM. This was handlebar mounted. I want to say two and a half years ago on a factory edition, and. It never returned up until now. It has evolved. Obviously, it's connected to the ECU now. It's just not GPS-based, which is really cool. But prior to that, uh, a third party made this connectivity unit. I think there was a fire or something that damaged the building, and that was the reason why um, KTM Group never moved forward in the you know later years with this unit. So now we're here. They're with LitPro. The whole unit is connected to the ECU, which is very impressive to me. Uh, I don't know if they gave you the whole spiel while they're there, Kenny, but like now you can look at, um, it's still GPS-based, but also now you can look at RPM and all these things that you couldn't do before, which is, to me, is still ahead of the Yamaha Power Tuner and the KX uh, Rideology app, so it's a little bit different than those two. So that was probably the most impressive thing to me, was just having that capability. I see it Every weekend with the factory teams, you see what they're doing, how they're hooking the computers up to the bike, and they're able to do whatever they want based on whether that's track preference or rider preference, whatever it is. So when we sat down with the Husky group and they explained what you could do as an average consumer, I was pretty blown away by that. And immediately it got my brain thinking, okay, I'm going to go ride the bike and then I'm going to make a massive change. And just see what it does to Correct. see how much adjustability you had. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. You basically, you have a GPS mounted to the front fender. Then there is the brain of the whole system, I think was is also like a lit pro. And all this technology built into something that goes behind the front plate. And you could see it from the side of the bike and you can go up and basically turn it on. You can connect your phone to it and... Man, it's it's actually really user friendly. 
you connect your connect your phone to the bike and then at at any point in time you can walk up your phone immediately connects to the bike correct connects to the brain and you can do anything you want to it so while i was there i i did i made a big change i changed a bunch of things and it made a massive difference to the bike so for the boomers out there and for us old guys uh fairly simple to work the interface of the app i am not huge tech savvy kind of guy but it's pretty basic. The icons are really easy to push. You can push engine. Uh, you can create a new map. Uh, I have a map saved. So just so, you know, you can go to a basic style map. There's two options. You go to basic and you can just choose like track type, sand, gravel, hard pack, track condition, dry or wet. Then you can go to advanced and then that'll break down engine braking, throttle response, traction control, launch control. And for me, which is really cool, and I thought it was gimmicky when they first came out with this, but now with the app, the quick shift, I don't know if you mess with this, but second to third gear, third to fourth gear, and then fourth to fifth gear. You can actually turn it up, turn it down, whatever you want. And for someone that's racing and wants to get off the start in a hurry, this quick shift actually makes a big difference. And for you KTM guys that have complained about notchy shifting, from second to third gear, which I've experienced myself on the 250 and 450 side, under load, sometimes the KTM is really um, hard to shift from second to third gear. Turning that quick shift up to high from second to third gear really allows me to get in third gear a lot easier under load. So uh, there are some really cool options on this thing. Fairly easy to use. You can save your maps. I have a map up on my website that I used back east on the KTM. Um, so let's get in the engine quick because that's easy to dissect. So what do you think about this engine on the Rockstar? I actually felt like it was very lively in comparison to years before. I, I think it was 2020 or 2021. I had the Husqvarna 450 and it was more of a mellow hit. Right. You know, sure, you could you could adjust maps and, and make it more aggressive. But like bone stock, the way that it came if you were just in the standard map, it was always more of a mellow power delivery. And at times you almost wanted more. Yep. Now jumping on it this time, I felt like I was right into the aggressive map, you know, right off the bat, definitely more lively, a lot of throttle response, uh, but also still kind of linear. If you needed to, I could leave the thing in third gear if there were some flat corners that didn't really have much of a rut and I needed to kind of roll the throttle on to get something out of the corner, I could still do that. So to me, it was actually like a really good package of when you needed it to be there, it was very quick yep. and reactive. But if I needed to just roll the throttle on, I could do that as well. Uh, so just for people know, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's a known thing. Um, a Kropovich comes with the factory edition KTM and an FMF slip on comes on the rockstar edition because that's the teams. That's what they use. Uh, I've always noticed FMF was always a little bit snappier than their Kropovich. Uh, Kropovich was quieter, um, had a more linear pull. The FMF had more throttle response, so maybe that's what Kenny was talking about. Um, because on the KTM, I have that similar feel where it's pretty linear, connected to the ground, easy to ride, um, but yet still had uh, a good enough meat to make the bike feel light, I guess. You can say that when you want to hop, and we're talking about those hop and the bumps and things. Uh, the KTM for me still had that nice feel, uh, where it just still felt light. Yeah, I think, um, uh, we rode, we rode Fox Race Way, yep. which has been updated recently. The track has some more tight sections and we got some deep ruts and 
uh, the thing I love about, like I said, is, you know, half the track was kind of dry and choppy. Half of it was rutted and slow. And I could just leave the gear. I could leave the bike in third gear. And at any point in time, I had everything I wanted. So I do like that. I Maybe I'm not the best person for when it comes to using the power band. Cause I'm, I think I'm just using it at like a broad perspective yeah. uh, versus when we sat down with Husky and lip pro on, on test day, they showed us somebody else that was out on the track and that person was shifting 19 times a lap, you know? So oh, wow. whereas when I, when I looked at it on mine, it says zero shifts and a hundred percent of the time I'm yeah. Zero shifts and a hundred percent of the time I'm in third gear. So yeah, you know, I think I think that all kind of varies. But for me, just the broad spectrum of power works best for me, and and especially in those conditions. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, for me, I can't use third gear a lot back east. I had to downshift to second. But the beauty about this engine, people, is you can actually use second gear for a long period of time. So I always talk about being lazy. And the good thing about a Yamaha, it's very luggable. Third gear is very usable. Um, recovery is nice. I didn't feel like the KTM or Husqvarna was like that, but now uh, if you do downshift to second gear, it allows you to pull that gear a long time down the straightaway. So it's a different type of being lazy. You want to be lazy in second. The KTM rewards you more than the Yamaha because second gear on the Yamaha is a little bit shorter than the Husqvarna KTM. So uh, you'll have to learn to downshift a little bit. For Kenny, he's 150 pounds, so maybe he can get away being in third gear more. Uh, I'm 175 pounds, so I can't quite use third gear as much as I want to in corners, but second gear is very usable. Now, with the CUO, did you play with the engine braking? I did. It was the first thing that I did. I, I rode for about an hour and then was trying to do certain things with suspension on the bike. Wasn't really finding it, so my thought process was to, to go into the CUO and basically get rid of all of the engine braking. And the reason I wanted to do that is I was feeling like the chassis was very bound up at times. Okay. And then obviously with experience and the things that I've done with you, when we rode Ken Roxon's bike, when you got that really free feeling of the chassis and it came from things like a slipper cut or whatever it was, like immediately I'm thinking, okay, I have the adjustability option right now. Let's do it. So I went in and I turned the engine braking completely as like light as possible. And I'm really happy that I did because that gave me an opportunity to actually put laps in on the bike and actually, you know, really feel like I could do things out on the track. And it was just from making that adjustability. Yeah. So people are always wonder, Hey, Kiefer, when you do engine braking, what is that in, in conjunction with the ECU, what are you doing? Are you retarding the timing? Are you advancing the timing? Are you riching or leaning the fuel? So I'm going to have a whole other show about that. We're going to talk about that later. But uh, nonetheless, they have incorporated a different setting for each little, um, I guess, setting for the engine braking side. So the ECU is doing something completely different uh, when you do drag that bar down, you turn it on low. But, man, that thing really makes a difference. If you do nothing else to your Rockstar or your factory edition, try the engine braking feature because it does make a pretty damn good bit of difference on the track. Like Kenny said, it frees up the engine. Uh, it, it, what I call spool up, 
that spool up when you rev the engine up it actually is a little bit freer and goes through quicker so you can make your shifts quicker if you wanted to so it really does make a difference out of all of the things that you can play with on the app i think that is one of the things that you normal people out there that aren't very test savvy will be able to feel real quick um, yeah i think i think just to point this out you know in in normal circumstances before you had the suggestibility being able to do something like that would if i was on any other brand would have required me to go purchase like let's say a vortex or get ecu take it to someone like twisted development and have them move these things around Mm -hmm. and now that i i can just do that with my cell phone such a cool thing because i you know you could go up connect and at any track on any day I can basically just do whatever I want to do and get it to the point of where I want it. So I think it's a sweet feature. All right, we're going to take a quick break here before we bust open the CUO information. Stay tuned. About six minutes of your life is dedicated to these commercials, and there's discount codes in them. So save yourself some money. It's not that hard. Don't get pissed off at me. So we'll be right back with the show. Stay tuned. ScreenPrintingDone.com. My dream is the world's most powerful t-shirt. Do you want to look good, but you ain't got the money? Trying to get some t-shirts made? Yeah, Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com. This is a t-shirt. You can get anything you want on that t-shirt. I'm about to show you guys how y'all can look fly. Your business name. That's my business. Your kid's name. Oh, Billy. Your favorite phrase, like, let's go, buddy, or free jailbirds. I agree. Anything at all. ScreenPrintingDone.com. T-shirt printing business. Mention Kiefer on your next order and get 10 free T-shirts. That's what I'm talking about! ScreenPrintingDone.com. I know it's tough sometimes, guys. What engine oil should I run? What weight? Synthetic or non-synthetic? It's tough. But you guys, I've been running blood lubricants for about two and a half years now. I've had great results. If you guys are looking for some great oil, the Barracuda Blood Series 1040 is what we run in all of our test bikes here. Um, it's specifically formulated for the most brutal racing conditions on Earth. Look, heat, high humidity, silt, mud, whatever you got, this Barracuda Blood 1040 can handle it. 1040 is a great weight for most motocross and off-road machines, even though maybe your Uh, Owner's manual says run 530 or 1050. To me, 1040 is a great weight. Check it out. Barracuda Blood Series. Um, It's been through Baja 1000, the 500, Mint 400, Vegas, Torino. All of our test bikes here. 100% synthetic oil. It's great stuff. Uh, You put it in, and I run about two and a half engine hours. I take it out, and man, it still comes out pretty damn clean. So, you can use the code Kiefer at checkout over at bloodlubricants.com. Save yourself 25% off a case of oil. They have all different kinds of stuff. They have suspension oils. They've got sprays, chain lubes, whatever it is for oil-related stuff for your off-road motorcycle. Check out bloodracing.com. Ride-engineering.com. You guys want to get some clamps, some bar mounts, some chain blocks, Uh, Brake calipers, Adrian over there at Ride Engineering has a lot of quality parts. And if you use the code KT20, that'll save you 20% off what he offers over there. So that's ride-engineering.com. And he is not only the guy who tests the parts, I mean, I help him as well, but he also has an engineering degree. Holy crap. 
So go check them out, ride-engineering.com. Use the code KT20 to save some money. You guys out there thinking about buying a new 2024 YZ450F, 250F, and of course, they still make two strokes. The new YZ450F is narrower, more compact, and lighter. It's built to do one thing, go faster. 2024 YZ450F is unchanged, but it is a proven winner has won many shootouts as well as the all-new 2024 YZ250F. That has won some shootouts as well. And it's all over at Power Motorsports. Go check them out. Get your new Yamaha from the number one Yamaha dealership in the USA. The pros at Power Motorsports in Sublimity, Oregon. Let them know you heard it here. That's right. The one and only Kiefer Tested Podcast. Call or text 503-769-8888 and ask for the power price. I don't even care where you're at in the USA, Maine, California, Florida, Washington. Just go visit them, powermotorsports.com, or hit me up, chris at kieferinktesting.com, and I'll get you in touch with the guys over there at Power and let you go rip around on your new scooter. So fun. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, riding jacket, or long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It is illegal and stupid. Welcome back. Wasn't so hard, was it? F you, Kiefer commercials. Ah, we're back. Yeah, and you can't mess it up. Like, they're not going to give you parameters that you're going to screw yourself and screw up your bike. So you can drag all of these things to five and you'll be fine, or all of them to one, you'll be fine. So do you remember where you ended up on your map? Do you have that still? Because I'll just tell you mine. So I ended up on engine braking one, uh, aggressive on the five. But then I turned my traction control up to four. And then I left my, uh, I just left my launch control alone. Never played launch control because I really don't give a shit about that. Um, and then second to third gear quick shift, I turned them up to four, and then all the other numbers left them at three. Okay. Do you so remember I what did you not did? Go, I didn't go as in depth as you. Basically, what I was trying to accomplish something quick, which was less engine braking. And I also turned down the throttle response to two. Okay. So you wanted a little bit more linear feel. Yes. I wanted a lot more linear. Reason being, like I said, the track that day and almost any typical California track will start to get dry and choppy at the end of the day. Be careful what you say, Kenny. Be careful. I'm just... When you you say California, there are people in Northern California that get mad at me when I say this. I say okay. exactly what you say. I go, you know, California tracks, you know, they get hard. And this, these people yell at me from up top in California. They're a Kiefer, you don't fucking know what it's like. It's way better up here. The dirt's better. So <laughs> don't yell at Kenny, guys. Do not yell at Kenny. I'm warning him right now. So, but yes, I understand That's what you're hard. saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, you could, they can say what they want. That's only for a certain part of the year. Most of the time, California is dry. Yeah. So call it, call it what you want. You're always going to get some square edge chop. So, but yeah, with, with that said, because it was so choppy and I was feeling so much of the chop coming out on acceleration, me just basically detuning it and creating a power that I could actually use and yeah. not just come out of the corner and try to hold on to all these things that I was doing were basically to like, swear, Hey, I could, before I could do five laps at a good pace. Well, Hey, now I can do eight. You know, and if I wanted to, I could have kept going. Right. So 
that's that made a big difference for me. So to wrap this engine portion up, here's the deal. I feel like out of all of the 450s that are out there right now, the KTM Husqvarna, I haven't ridden the gas gas yet, but we're going to assume. This is one of the easiest 450 engines to be able to control and ride for a longer period of time. Yamaha, although love the engine, it's a lot. Kawasaki, less power than the, than the KTM and Husqvarna, but it makes it makes the bike feel heavy. So not as easy to ride. And then you have the Honda, which is a linear pull, but still chassis is not quite up to par, which makes it harder to ride. So for you guys wondering out there, like, I don't know if I need a 450. I'm in between a 350 and a 450. Look, you're not going to get a lot of hit or a lot of gnarly excitement with the KTM Husqvarna. You're going to have control. You can have tunability because just like what Kenny said, you can turn that down. So all of that is right at your fingertips on your phone easy to use. Um, so for you guys out there, the engine, I personally, it's one of my favorite engines to ride on the east or the west be just because I can actually ride the damn thing. Um, unlike the Yamaha, which I love, I think I get more excited to ride the Yamaha, but my body's like, hey, fuck you. Like, I'm not ready for all this right now. Like, you need to have something a little bit more mellow. You know, you're getting older. I can control the KTM and Husqvarna better. So um, would you agree with that? I totally agree. I Every time I do hop on, whether it's your Yamaha or somebody else's, I'm only going to make it a few laps. Me trying to hold on to that thing is, it's it can be a nightmare at times, you know, and that's what will lead to potentially a different opinion of the bike is if you're not prepared or if you're not in good enough shape, whatever it is, you know, a lot of things have to line up for you to be able to like use the power of the Yamaha. Whereas with the Austrian brands, yeah, you have the adjustability, like you said, and you can kind of tune it to what you're capable of especially on that day right uh so big big uh clap for the ktm group over there for building a nice easy to ride engine all right let's move on to something a little bit more uh me and kenny have a little bit of a different of opinion here which is kind of nice for this show uh so new chassis i don't say new updated chassis uh there's some cutouts within the frame uh the ktm uh, what a pierre pierre mobility group is that what we're calling them the pierre mobility group every time i say ktm group i get yelled at so uh, KTM, Husqvarna, Gas Gas, new frames, probably moving from 25 on, are going to have cutouts, a little bit more forgiving. They won't tell you this because I tried to get uh, the guys over there, okay, where is it laterally uh, softer? Where, where did you guys do with this? They wouldn't tell me. So they're like, hey, it's just an updated frame. We cut some things out, made it a little bit lighter, trying to get more compliance. That's all I got. So that's all I can share with you guys out there right now. That was the focus they listen to us idiots out there because we're not super cross riders. We don't need all of that stiffness that Malcolm and Christian and these guys are picking that f other frame for. Um, we need a little bit more compliance. The older KTM chassis and Husqvarna chassis was a little bit rigid, especially on edge of tire here in California. I didn't feel it as much when I went to Redbud. I got excited when I rode at Redbud, and then I ate crow when I got home. I'm like, ew. Yeah, it's pretty pretty stiff. So uh, that's why I went back east, tested it, and now Kenny rode it at Fox Raceway. So just real quick, yes or no, is it better than the older frame? Yes, it's better than the older frame. Okay, but, but there's a butt in there. Huge. There's a butt, yes. Yes, it's better. The butt comes from my previous history of riding the Husqvarna you know, two, three years ago, before this massive update was, 
introduced was I loved, I absolutely loved the chassis on whether it was a KTM or the Husky because it was so compliant. Yeah. And it's time, you know. I what year was that? Do you remember? Do you remember what year it was? 2020? That was, that was 21. Okay. 21. And that chassis for me, I could just take anywhere and it worked basically the same wherever I wanted to go, whether it was the Southern California hard packed. There you go. Square edge there stuff. You go, Kenny. Nice. Yes, exactly. It would work, you know, it would work wherever I could, could easily do everything I needed to do. And all the choppy stuff I would, you know, like the bike would almost shine at the end of the day. Yeah. And then when I take it East, I'd still have the same feelings really, really good. The only time I ever had a negative with that chassis was in some really, really deep sand rollers. If you got like a big G out, you could almost feel the frame wallow a little bit. Mm-hmm. But for me, those instances, you know, like really didn't matter. They're few the and far between, so, right? Exactly. The bike was so good. So, you know, now, so that's where my butt comes from. Okay. Now that the changes have been made. Now, when I hop on this bike, it feels so much different to me. I, I almost get a Honda-esque feeling. I, I get a, yeah, I get a very rigid feeling, a very unpredictable feeling. And it makes me timid. I'm just being honest. It makes yep. me very timid. I rode the 2023, well, that'd be the KTM factory edition with you and the high does. That was the first time I had ridden that generation. And the first few laps, I'm thinking to myself, this feels like a red bike. And yeah. I, I was actually pretty, pretty like disappointed to have those feelings, you know, outside of being able to lean way over the front of the bike and push through some transitions. And when it came into the important things of corner entry, uh, exit, all these things that getting into ruts, I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have that comfortability. And that was, that was upsetting. So that was the last time I had ridden that, that, basically that bike until the other day. And when I, we sat down, we talked about the the changes that Husqvarna made with the engine hangers, the different parts on the frame. They even kind of threw everything at it and threw in smaller bolts in the linkage, Okay. which as a general consumer, I, I wouldn't know that, that that was going to make a difference, you know, but I think they were trying to throw a whole package together to kind of create some kind of improvement. Um, but with that said, Yes, was it better? It was better by a small margin. And the areas that I could see the improvements were on lean angle. Okay. You know, we you talked about that a little bit. If say you're just coming down a straightaway, you want to start leaning over, whether that's to switch lines, you know, you want to carve in to find a, a nice inside rut, whatever that is, that adjustability that you want to be able to do on the track. I didn't used to be able to do that with like some comfort. I was always timid. I was like afraid that the front end was going to wash. And that was the biggest thing I noticed out of this new frame on the Husqvarna was that I was actually able to pick lines and move across the track as I wanted. Mm-hmm. So that was, a, that was a benefit for me. Still though, downside for you is straight line bump absorption, just period. Period. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to explain in words, but what I was feeling on the chassis, the best way to put it was that I felt like it was very bound up. I didn't really feel like the front and the rear of the bike were matching each other as well as 
the suspension mass uh, matching the chassis. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of inconsistency for me on the track. There was, there, I think I'm a pretty precise rider as far as being able to put myself in the same position every single lap, whether that's landing in a certain spot in bumps or hitting the same line the same way. I think I'm really good at that. And that's where I really saw like the negative in this chassis was that it was very inconsistent in these areas. It would not always go smooth. It wouldn't go through the transition and come back the way I wanted it. It may go down, hit like a very harsh spot. And then the reaction of the chassis when we would hit that hard spot was what would scare me and make me timid to ride it more. Yeah. So just so people know out there, like Kenny rides this track quite a bit. So it's not like he never goes there and, I'm guilty of some of this at times. Like I will take a new bike at a track that maybe I'm not familiar with. And I'm like, holy shit, like the bike's doing this, but it's more on my side. Like I have to get used to the track and the feeling because if I bring a comparison bike uh, and then I'll hop on the other bike and I have the same feeling. So it's more of the rider. So Kenny actually has ridden this track. So it's not like he's not used to it. So there is some good feedback within this. Uh, so I feel a little bit different than Kenny. And obviously I rode three different tracks on the East coast and, Again, this is the KTM, not the Husqvarna. Uh, I've, just like Kenny said, lean angle for me has improved. Uh, cornering stability, when the corner is all screwed up inside of the rut, I think that is better. Like Kenny, I wasn't a fan of the 24 standard frame as it's stiff, takes a long time to break in. Um, do you know how many hours when you left at Fox were you on that bike? When we left, we were rated two hours, okay. so obviously not a not a lot of time. Yeah, so I was about four hours into mine when I left to come home for a little bit. And what I said on the show is like, man, this thing broke in a lot easier than the current chassis, which took me eight hours. So I don't know if that'll change for you, Kenny, if we get to ride this more, maybe uh, that well, but around the four-hour mark, that, that tells me maybe it's freeing up a little bit because what you're describing to me is what I feel normally when I ride a newer KTM or Husqvarna. Just that bound up, like, tight feeling. Like, it's almost like a knot. If you guys can look at a rope, and you guys have this the straight end, and then you have a knot and the straight end, it almost feels like that. And I think Kenny's describing that when he loads the chassis. It's like you're in that knot area. That's a good way to put it. That's definitely probably the easiest way to, like, put it in words. But it's exactly what it feels like. It, And sure, with time, I'm sure that, like you said, it would break down. If we got 10 hours into this, right. it would feel very different. And But the one thing to point out to just for everyone listening is the biggest change that I was able to make on that day was to reduce the engine braking. And by doing that, we got, we got rid of that not feeling a little bit. Correct. Still there, still yeah. very much there, but made it, made it rideable for me. Right. Um, so I think it's an improvement in the chassis. I mean, I haven't rode out here on any of these newer chassis. Well, I take that back. I did get to ride a little bit on a 350 with the chassis because I did a garage build that we they put the new chassis on a 350, which was quite fun. And then I got to help break in one of these bikes a little bit at Glen Helen, which I thought was better at Glen Helen right away, coming down the hills um, just for loading the chassis. It didn't feel like as harsh. Um, so I have a little bit of time on that. Um, granted that was more of a newer, newer chassis as well. Um, I wasn't expecting to feel as much of a difference when I went back East as I did, 
because at Glen Helen, I was more like Kenny, like, hey, it's a little bit better, but I'm not like, oh, my God, it's way better. Um, so maybe the time that I spent back east on these other tracks and the time that everything, the bolts, everything got to seat, the spokes, all these things got to seat a little bit, that has helped me. Um, but nonetheless, if you guys are looking for something a little bit more compliant on lean angle of this from your KTM or Husqvarna, this chassis, I think, is a better direction. Is it as good as a 2021 or a 20, like Kenny was saying? I don't think so. I still don't think it's that compliant. I would completely agree. Yeah. Uh, riding those bikes was such a different feel. You could go across any set of bumps, and, yeah, you wouldn't feel it. You could go ride Glen Helen and not get GHB. Yeah. So right. that was a, a huge plus to those. Um, and, and now, yeah, sure. Is it in the direction of that? And that's what they're trying to do. Yes. But to me, they still have a long ways to go to get it, you know, to, to a fine balance between the two of the older frame and the newer frame. They, they still got some time, you know, they got some work to do there. Uh, just so people know, what would be your pick, your bike of choice or chassis of choice? If you could pick, any of the new bikes that you have ridden? I'm going to get judged for this. It's all right. But I'm still a massive Suzuki fan. Stop it. Yep. How? I am. So here's here's my opinion. Okay, this is going to be a good one. I cannot wait for this because this is going to be interesting. Here's my. Here's what I love about the Suzuki. So, <laughs> okay. and, 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 like, and like you said, I do ride Fox Raceway a lot, of right. course. I work for Fox. I get to ride there for free. Yeah. Why not? Right. Right. So I ride that track a lot. It always breaks down the same way that it does pretty much on any given day. You know, you know where the ruts are going to be, you know what you need to hop around, so on and so forth. When I ride, whether it was a Husqvarna, uh, when I ride, I've ridden the gas gas there, I've ridden the KTM there. And I've even had a Cowie there not that long ago. When I show up on a Suzuki and I ride the same exact track, mm-hmm. any any hesitation I have of whether that's going to be deflectiveness, front-end wash, lean angle, not being comfortable on a lean angle, all that completely goes out of the window when I'm on a Suzuki there. Huh. And the reason I say that is because for me, the Suzuki chassis is just the most consistent thing. I'm not saying it's the best. There's things that it doesn't do great. But it just does the same shit all the time is what you're saying. Correct. There's times where you feel some very rigid chop, you know, especially if you're on the 450 with a bone stock uh, shock, you know, like you're going to feel a lot. But it always does the same thing every single time. And for me, that's like what's most important. I can just have all the trust in the world. I know what it's going to do. Just like me talking about being a precise rider and landing in the same spot every time, hitting the bumps that is sound on the Suzuki chassis to do exactly what I think it's going to do. Right. Hey, Suzuki. Nice. <laughs> Suzuki. Uh, I'm going to start calling you, uh, well, I'm going to start calling you Kenny Roxon because your first name's Kenny and you like the Suzuki. You, you know, it's, it's funny, man. And Kenny, it's, you're Kenny on a 250 a, though, right? Oh yeah. I have been on the 250, but, okay. but even beforehand, you know, you had given me a 450, Obviously, that thing hasn't changed in ages, so it's still the same thing. And riding the 450 there with good suspension from K2 
KYB. Yep. Yeah, I, I still had those same feelings of like that being the most consistent uh, thing, you know, uh, something I can always count on. Yep. All right. Well, that this is good information because I don't like when everybody agrees and like, oh, it's it's better. So like Kenny's a little bit lighter. He rides a little bit different than I do. Obviously, he's a gear higher. I'm a gear lower. Like there's some different feelings. I think we both kind of agree that this chassis is going the right direction and it is a better version of a steel frame. That's what I, I think that is a unanimous decision. Um, is it going to yep. be as compliant as a Kawasaki KX450 frame? Probably not. But to me, going off the chassis again, I still think I can corner. This thing still feels light to me. Does it feel light to you? It does. It does. And um, even I will genuinely say that there's times I'd come down some of the straightaways. I'd get a lot of unloading and what all these things that I was feeling. But when I did commit and set into some of the deep ruts, the yeah. bike would drive right through, wasn't doing anything that would make me feel uncomfortable. Like wasn't trying to climb out or knife. It would just, it would follow the rut really well. Well, I think to me, like to this day, I still feel like when I get into a corner, man, it, it's easy to freaking corner, like feels light. Yeah. I can lay it in. Um, I, it just, it just feels nice. I like that cornering feel, especially when I'm in back east, dude, and the ruts are amazing, and I go to lay it in. And I was at Echikani at Matt Walker's place, and holy shit, man, like rough, choppy, and then it leads you into these these sand ruts, but they're like deep, and it lays in there so nice. Like it was it was awesome. So I like Thanks. the cornering. Thanks for making me jealous. <laughs> dude, hey. Uh, you East Coast people, you guys have great tracks. It makes me happy about riding, and only thing that really makes me happy out here is mesquite and riding in my desert when it's wet. Yeah, yep. I uh, I tell people this all the time. Sure, I'm from Maryland. No doubt, I took that dirt and those conditions and the track, all that stuff, for granted as a kid. Yep. When you move to Southern California, and I still to this day will say that a wet des is still better than any east coast track i've ever ridden there's just something about that yeah. that will always be better so and what's awesome about the east coast not to make this whole about tracks but like there's so many private tracks like yeah. i can go to oh you you see this guy's house you know over here he has this track and it's sick it's not some janky yep. backyard track it is sick yep. uh i didn't know drew adams lived next next to Etchikani. And I looked at his track in his yard. It's like a freaking heaven. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. It's it's almost like what we try to emulate in the des when it rains. Yeah. But it's just in people's backyards. Right. Um, all right. Suspension. Let's move on to this. Air Fork still available here. Um, I, I still stand by this. If KTM Group or the Pierre Mobility Group would put spring forks on the motocross bikes... I feel like it's game over. I feel like, hello, shootout wins. I think the bike gets more compliant. I think all a lot of these things, right? Like, I know what they're doing. The cost is is lower on the AER fork. Uh, it's, you know, quote-unquote, more adjustable. Uh, but the comfort is not there, man. It's just not there like a spring yep. fork. Um, you have to keep up on it more. You have to babysit it more. So, Kenny, what do you think? You're 150 pounds. No, I'm, I'm with you completely. You know, it's, I've always been unfortunately against what the direction that they've gone with this air fork. I've given it a shot many times and 
And I will say that the current package is a whole lot better than it was three years ago. You do have a lot more front tire feel. Yes, I can. But with with me being, and I'm going to say you too, with us being more old school, we grew up on something that was always consistent, which was the spring fork. And when you're trying to adapt something like that new and you can't actually make it feel like a spring fork, it, it's a hard sell for us. I, I completely agree that if if KTM, if that whole group put a spring fork on the bike, they would sell a lot quicker, even though they already do sell. But I think you can genuinely see that when most people buy this bike, they the first thing they're looking into is switching the forks out. Right. You know, so why wouldn't you make that change? You know, that's the direction that you may not ever understand, but yeah, they've made a lot of improvements with it. It is better, but it's still just not the same. And I think like if, if KTM and Husqvarna would see the emails that I get, Hey Kiefer, I really love a KTM, but I just can't buy one. So I'm going to go to Yamaha. Why? Suspension. That's it. That's the number one thing. Like I don't want to spend 14,000, 12, you know, $12,000 on a KTM than have to go buy a spring conversion for 1500 bucks. Like I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to go buy a Yamaha. That's what I get. So yep. you think they would learn. They're doing that on the cross-country bikes, which is awesome because those guys ride longer distances over time. So spring fork there, okay, baby steps. I was at KTM. I was the R&D guy when we were on the link list suspension. I said, we need to go to linkage. They said, F you. We're never going to do that. I leave. They go to <laughs> linkage, and it's helped the brand. Like, it helped it. So hopefully they learn and get some spring forks on there. Again, it is not the worst fork I've ever felt. It's not horrible. It's just a little bit of a pain in the ass to adjust and, and keep on. Do you know where your setting was at by chance? Do you know how many bar you were running for the air? We we left it right at stock settings. Okay. We so, didn't we didn't adjust bar at all. We only thing I did just on that day was just clicker stuff. Okay. So did you soften it up? I did. I softened up uh, compression on the forks too. I uh, left everything else the same, except when I went to the shock, I ended up going, I was looking for something big to give me some more comfort. So I actually went three softer on the shock mm-hmm. and sped up my rebound. Well, another cool point is you can do all that shit on the side of the track. So you don't have to pull in Definitely. get a flat blade, all that. I Sometimes I forget, I'll pull in, I'm like, hey, I'm like, oh shit, I can just do it by hand right on the track. So don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, you can do everything by hand, which is really cool. Even rebound, you can go down there and adjust that. So um, very easy to use, user-friendly machine. Uh, ergonomics, what do you think? Pro taper bar, pretty flat. Um, seat, the seat up, you eat up your ass at all? That actually wasn't that bad. The bar, everything cockpit-wise, felt pretty good. But I will, I will say that it's the first time I've ever noticed it. And I think it's because I've been riding a Suzuki and it's so slim. This is the first time that the, the Husky actually felt I'd say wide in the tank, wide in my legs. Like it was definitely wider than what I remember from three years ago. So obviously uh, not as bad as what the old Yamaha's used to be, but a small adjustment that just took, you know, maybe four or five laps to get used to. Right. Uh, I prefer that pro taper bar, of course, over what KTM is running, which I think is a neck and stock bar. Uh, the bends are pretty close, so if you guys are looking and you like the bend of the KTM and you want to go something similar, Husqvarna stock Pro Taper bar, I would cut those to 803. I think they're 811. Were they wide for you? No, okay. they were not wide. Uh, I, you know, I will, I will say that I'm probably not 
the best when it comes to being this really i'm not that really picky bar kind of guy I'm, i don't know why i've always just grew up riding a bunch of bikes so i adjust pretty quickly hmm. okay yeah i just yeah. i'm picky with bars and grips and shit i, I want glue on yeah. grips i don't want lock on grips you know throw me a yeah a zrt throttle on that thing make it buttery i'm, I'm good <laughs> so it's nice um, I, right. uh, I will point i will point this out though one thing that threw me off first time i came off the track and i pulled up with the bike in neutral trying to find the kill start button you're so yeah you're so used to it just yeah. being completely opposite but now that you know this new the new stuff is it's all in one side so you got start and turn off on the same switch that threw me off a little bit yeah and they're recessed in there so it's kind of a pain in the ass to push the kill switch button you got to really put your thumb inside that thing you know yeah i agree um clutch you, you're okay with the hydro yeah you know like just like i said with me riding around in third gear it's i'm really easy on the bike and, and maybe that's an unfortunate thing for the testing world so i'm not really using a clutch that much but but overall i don't i don't mind the feel i i didn't do any starts i think that's something i need to do when we get to ride this thing again is just do probably 10 starts and just see how that feels especially over time yeah in comparison to what i'm used to but as far as on track man i i'm really bad i, I don't touch the clutch i'm, I'm more of like just uh lug the thing around and, and be smooth and I, maybe that's just me holding on <laughs> i asked this on twitter the other day are you a full hand grip guy or are you one finger on the clutch at all times guy no even though i don't use it much i it's just like that's what i was taught to do you know gary gary bailey back in the day like that's a habit you yeah. know keep your finger you on the clutch right have, if you didn't yeah you're getting whipped with a stick so it's a habit for sure i think that's where you always feel at home, elbows up. It just all naturally kind of works together. Yeah. Uh, did you jump that freaking huge triple thing? Huge triple thing. You know, after, no, God, okay. no. Okay, I just didn't know. If uh, you... at, at my age, man, I don't see. I think that's what happens when you go from like a you know your son Aiden to to me. So um, I jumped that he, on my Yamaha. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm out. Did it hurt? Yeah. Why? You know. There's a there's a cool factor to it, and I think that's why people do it. But I watched Marv do it in front of me, yeah, and he skied to the moon. Yeah. So it didn't make any sense because you you could scrub the thing and land on your back wheel like mad skills down the landing. No time. And then yeah yeah no time. And then there was a benefit too because when you you land the triple part of it, there was holes. Mm. Whereas if you just doubled it, you could launch off the triple part over the holes. You know, so like yeah. It just doesn't, I'm out, I'm out on that stuff. My brain thinks a little bit different at this age. Yeah, I followed some kid off it. I'm like, oh, some I'm, some kid that was like a B-Rod. I'm like, well, if he's doing it, it's not that hard. And it wasn't that hard, but yeah. it's so high. I'm like, I'm out. Crazy high, yeah. yeah. All right, well, Kenneth, thank you, man. I appreciate you covering for me and uh, giving the people some inf inside information. Like, uh, you know, obviously Kenny's a little bit different than uh, opinion than me. So uh, you guys can make your own decision on what you guys feel that you want out of this whole thing. Um, obviously you can still hit me up, Chris at keyforinktesting.com if you have any more questions, but, uh, yeah, you got anything else to say there, Kenneth? No, I think the, the biggest question that, you know, we always try to talk about when we do these is especially the rockstar edition is if it's worth it, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. is it worth people buying it? And I do think it is, you know, aside from the, even if it was small margin of change, with the chassis stuff, 
just to have that adjustability is completely worth you spending the money on the Rockstar Edition. And you get what? So you've got an FMF slip-on, you got a seat cover, you get different rims, you got a beefier chain, clutch, clutch, clutch cover. cover. Um, yeah, I mean, just the wheels in general. Yep. You know, good, solid wheels. People are asking Pull me, can, people are asking me, oh, can I use that new software on my older bike? That is a negative. Um, because you have to have that updated ECU to be able to do this. Um, yeah, I think that you can with a price, right? I think you'd have to change a lot of stuff. I know that you obviously can buy the front fender with the GPS mounted into it. You might be able to get that brain, but yeah, there's going to be some adjustability. Yeah. Or, uh, some things you're going to have to like do to, to make it actually work correctly. So let me, yeah, I guess I should rephrase it. Yes, you could if you bought the ECU and all the stuff to go along with it. Yes, but it's not as simple as like, hey, can I just download the app and will that be available for my bike? No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, that is accurate. Um, okay, well, thank you. And uh, you going to Detroit tomorrow? I am, yeah. I uh, I just just actually checked in and I'm shaking my head at myself because I got to be there. I think I have to leave my house at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, you know, it's just kind of part of it. Um, excited to go east. Excited, really excited just to see the 250 class and how stacked that is. Um, 250 East is going to yeah, be fun little, to watch. Very fun to watch. You know, I, I was kind of looking at the dirt in the, in the stadium, looking at the, I think, the, I forgot what that guy's name is, Corey. Corey on, I think it's Corey 100 on Instagram. He's one of the track builders and he's always putting up updates and you always get like a more of an insider insight. And from what I can see, the track actually looks like there might be soft. So we could have a very different Detroit, you know, versus years before. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited for some new faces and 250 class and see where everybody stacks up. Um, interesting. So and then see if AP keeps cranking back east. It'd be interesting to see that. You remember you remember AP at Detroit last year, so yep, yep. We just might try be, not to repeat that one. Yeah, hopefully we. Uh, I mean, it, wouldn't it be something else if he won the damn thing? It would be honestly. If I, mean, I know you're a Fox guy, man, you're a Fox but, guy, but I mean, come on. <laughs> no, you. I'm I'm a massive fan of Aaron. I always have been. I've known him since he was younger, and worked with him a lot. But what the one thing I will say about AP, and he's actually seems to express it more, is that he's fully relying on his team around him to to set up a bike that's really good for him. Yep. Because knowing Aaron throughout the years, that's never been his specialty. He's he's he'll just show up and get lost real quick. So to see what they're doing with Aaron and how consistent he's actually able to be, I mean, that says a lot in my opinion. Jade Jade actually said when I did these factory bike things last week, uh that he's getting better. Okay. So that's good. I don't know what that means, but Jade said he's not as horrible as he once was. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I remember the, the days Barsha and, and him with Jimmy Perry at factory Yamaha. Ooh, yeah. And it, they were just constantly trying to change things. And Aaron would show up and do three or four laps on a brand new setting and come back, not talk to anyone, just, basically pack up and just drive home you know yeah. so um yeah so it's cool it's cool to see that progression out of him yep for sure well thank you kenny i appreciate you come on the show and uh i'll see you soon appreciate you all right man. thanks for having me see you all right that wraps it up here i got kenny day on the 2024.5 husqvarna rockstar edition 
so yeah, a little bit of different opinion from uh, what I felt on the KTM versus Husqvarna. But just like we said, better direction. It's going to be up to you guys if that direction is what you want to do. Do you want to upgrade to a factory edition or maybe wait for the 25? I would assume it will be very, very similar to the factory edition. So uh, as of right now, I'm headed back east again next week. I'll be putting more time on the KTM. Um, actually, a couple different tracks than I was at last time. I'm happy to update you guys through my website or here on this podcast or just simply email me, chris at keyforinktesting.com. If you do not see any updates within a few weeks and I will tell you where I'm at with the KTM always uh, trying to give you some honest information and if those feelings change we're happy to tell you that as well um, nothing to hide over here so uh, again thank you for supporting our show and uh, liking what we do and don't forget to check out my YouTube channel there's some stuff going to go up there from back east and little fun things that we do over there and we're going to be doing some more bike builds over on my channel as well so be sure to subscribe like, and do all that other shit that everyone else wants you to do. And don't forget, racerxonline.com. Factory bike videos are going up. And, of course, if you guys want some merch, heather at keyforinktesting.com is the lovely lady's email. Just go to our shop on our website. There is some new stuff up there, hats, hoodies, new T-shirts. So that helps us out as well. And just support our advertisers. We are a free service, but we just ask you to support these people because they help us and they have great products I'll see you when we get back from the East Coast.